Hey, it's the Jersey Hardwood Podcast sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener, and the gang is back again. Got John McAlevey over there in New Providence and Matt driving home from The Rock where he caught uh, Seton Hall and then checked in on his Devils practice there. Very efficient day for you, Matt. So let's start Perfect. with Seton Hall. And I, I'll tell you what, Matt, it was a slow uh, start against DePaul, but they certainly picked it up. They uh, they locked down the defense there. Uh, the, the Blue Demons had a trouble scoring there, and uh, actually Seton Hall ended up taking the lead after uh, after going down big in the opening uh, few minutes there. Took the lead in the first half, and um, just hung on in the second half. Uh, DePaul did uh, take a run at him, uh, but they did what they needed to do. It wasn't uh, pretty. Uh, but they got the win, five uh, Pirates in double figures. Matt, and uh, what would you see out there? Well, as you described, they got off to a terrible start. And honestly, there are reasons, but no excuses, if you know what I mean. You can say a 12 o'clock start. You can say you're playing DePaul. But there's a lot at stake for Seton Hall, and that slow start is unacceptable. If they get off to a start like that, and I don't think they will, on Wednesday against Creighton, instead of being down 15 to two, they'll be down 29 to seven, and they'll have no chance of coming back. So fortunately, DePaul is not the top team or one of the top teams in the Big East, and it afforded the Devils, or the Devils, it afforded the Pirates a chance to come back, and that's exactly what they did. But it was a disappointing start, without question. But they overcame it, and it survived in advance, and now they're 15 and nine, and they keep their hopes alive of uh, sneaking in a postseason NCAA berth. Oh, I'd say so. They're looking pretty good for a berth, wouldn't you say, Johnny? Yeah, they're they're trending in the right direction. Absolutely. It's um I think it's all right out in front of them. They have uh they have um beaten up on the the lower group in the big east and they're getting their chance now. They they've beaten the teams in front of them and now the big boys are coming around again as far as having opportunities to uh to, to put some resume builders on your resume, as, as they like to say. Matt says Creighton is coming to town, uh, and they're, as hot, they're the hottest team. Six in a row. From Seton Hall in the conference. They're, uh, they're hitting their stride now. They remember a preseason top five in the nation, and then they got out to like a 9-0 and start, and then you know what, the bed for a while there. But now they are back and flexing their muscles. They're healthy again, and so, they, it, yeah, it's all right out there in front of them. I, I, I saw that they had uh, a really cool thing today, Matt, with the, the what was it, the 88-89 team was back. P.J. Carlissimo and Mark Bryan and the crew were uh, were honored. I guess it was before the game, and they showed a, some video and some pictures, and it didn't look like um, the gentlemen have gone easy on the uh, the uh, the food over the last few years. <laughs> oh, my well, goodness. Included it was actually that, yeah, included in that just real quickly was one of my high school uh, uh, graduates who was a manager on that team who looked like he was three times himself. I hadn't seen him in a number of years. He was lurking in the background. But, yeah, the buffet had been taken care of quite nicely. Well, it actually was the 35th anniversary of their first NCAA bid, which is the year before they okay. went to the championship game. So it was the 87-88 team. A lot okay. of the same players, but not all. Mark Bryant was not on that team that went to Seattle. But it was good to see them. Uh, it was good to speak with PJ. You know, he's the same guy, same character, and uh, a lot of hugs and laughs. Mm -hmm. And it was a nice opportunity to sail down 
memory lane. They also honored the 50th anniversary of Seton Hall winning the club football championship. They actually had a club team that in 72 won the national championship, and then they converted to Division Three for several years before, in the end, they decided to abandon football, which was probably the smart thing. But it was cool to see some of those guys. I was not there. I'm not that old, but it was nice to see them honored uh, today at, at Prudential Center. PJ looks terrific, by the way. He looked better than all of the players. <laughs> and he yeah. flew in. He was in Denver last night doing a basketball game for ESPN. And so he had to take a red eye. He got in at five in the morning and he, he, he was laughing saying, you know, he doesn't usually like to take red eyes anymore. I mean, listen, yeah. they're terrible. They just beat you up too much. But if you have to, you have to, but he thought it was a game that was later today. He just knew he was coming in for the game. So he was speaking to one of the coordinators. Oh yeah, no problem. I'll take, I'll take the red eye. I'll get in at five o'clock and then, you know, I'll get a little sleep and, She's like, you won't get much sleep. Why? He goes, the game's at 12. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, considering all he had been through, he did look great. No question oh, about man, that. Oh, man, he looked great. And Matt, a guy, right? P.J. Carlissimo put Seton Hall on the map and made them a national power. Would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, without his success, I don't know where Seton Hall would be. I, You know, not suggesting in any way, shape, or form they would be out of the Big East? No, I mean, they're a charter member, but it put the school on the map. Uh, it infused them with notoriety and publicity that they've used to this day. And it's part of their history. You can look up and see the NCAA banners that, that they've been able to attain. And yeah, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no way that you can diminish what that team, that group of athletes, and what PJ and his coaching staff mean to the university. And, you know, every, on, a, on a national level, everybody knows who Seton Hall is. You know, I mean, they may not be making the tournament every year and taking deep dives, you know, deep uh, uh, drives into the tournament. But they're, you know, of course, they've been formidable ever since those years with, with PJ, with, with, without a doubt. And speaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, I want to go. I want to go the Rock Wednesday. Are you kidding me? I mean, Creighton six in a row. One of those games against Xavier, uh, top 20 team, um, you know, Seton Hall winning eight of their last 10. And this is going to, this is going to make it to be a great big East battle on Wednesday night. Well, it, it should be, but Creighton has had their number over the years and, and beat them pretty handily earlier in the season there, but this is a different team. Seton Hall is playing better. They still are not gifted offensively, but they're grittier. They are very strong defensively. And I think there'll be a, a better energy they'll display on Wednesday against Creighton. So hopefully it's a good game. You know, this is one of the ones that if you can steal, it certainly looks great on the resume because right now, you know, you, you, they're going to, they should be, you know, the remaining teams on their schedule below them. They've got one more against Connecticut. I don't know if they really match up well against them, but Hey, they've already beaten them. Uh, they've got Nova twice. It's not the same Nova team, although they've shown some signs of life lately as they've gotten healthier. You know, they've got Georgetown. But if they can get Creighton or Xavier, uh, both of which are at home, that'll bolster their chances and give them a little bit of a cushion should they stumble along the way. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Tyree Samuel was saying after the game today that the difference between this team 
and the one that got crushed by Crate earlier in the year is that the players who, even though they've come from programs that play in the ACC or what have you, a lot of the transfers that came in didn't recognize the physicality that the Big East has, and it was an eye-opener for them. And he said they're much more attuned to what we have to do to win in this in this league. Mm-hmm. And I still see a nice trio there of uh, Alamir Dawes, Kadari Richmond, and Tyree Samuel. I, you know, they're three nice players. Throw Casey Nadefo in there playing some really nice defense and actually scoring a little bit. And, you know, Trey Jackson there, too. They're not a real deep team, but they've got some players, Matt. Yeah, I mean, they played eight today. They'll go nine deep. Uh, Dre Davis has missed the last handful of games with a knee injury. Uh, Shane Holloway said after the game that he's game to game. So maybe he'll be back on Wednesday. But they have tightened up their rotation. They've gotten better performance from Al Dawes. He's a vastly different player from the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. He's actually starting to score. And Defoe's personality has infused this team with some toughness. Tyree Samuel can still be a bit of a mystery. He fouls too often. He doesn't know how not to foul, if you know what I mean. And, John, you can talk to this. There, there's a way to play tough without getting a foul and understanding, all right, I just can't make that play. It's going to lead to a foul or likely to. And I just yeah. can't do it. I can't get my fourth. And he hasn't shown me often enough the ability to distinguish when to go and when not to go. In that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that is you pick up the personal, but then you push the team fouls over the limit. And then, you know, when you're playing against the team that struggles to score in the half court, you know, you get to the seven fouls, you get to that one and one, and then the dreaded 10 fouls, then, then teams don't have to create offense on their own. You make a stupid reach in foul at half court, you're giving them two shots. And so, that helps the team out, plus it stops the clock on a team that's trying to make a comeback. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, you got to pick and choose your spots when you're going to foul. And, and sometimes players, certain players, just don't have that um, antenna in their head at times. Yeah, yeah. Dawes, early, uh, late in the game, at Seton Hall was, you know, pushed by DePaul. You never thought, oh, boy, they're not going to hold on here. But you know, a basket for DePaul or Seton Hall not making a free throw or a basket could have changed the course of the game. And Dawes got called for like a silly reaching across the body, trying to knock the ball free and, you know, sent DePaul to the free throw line. They were horrendous at the free throw line yeah. today, but, you know, not smart. Just not smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were fortunate really, Matt, to, to that, uh, that uh, DePaul was terrible from the line because they ended up closing that game. It was a lot closer than it should have been. The fact that Seton Hall has uh, had just taken over the game and then kind of gave it back, and it was a little a little sweating at the end there. And you got to yeah. believe, I think, what you're saying here, Matt, is that they play like that against Creighton, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and I don't think they will. I think there are some reasons, but no real excuses. You could have come out and taken control of this game. DePaul's been interesting this year. They they sometimes look challenging. And How other did times they beat how exactly. Xavier at Xavier. <laughs> it's incredible. And sometimes, you know, they've had performances like that where you go, all right, they're going to be a challenge. And then other times where they just sleepwalk and they look like the DePaul of recent vintage. Yeah. So Seton Hall got a little bit of that at the beginning and then a little bit of it at the end, uh, you know, uh, the better DePaul. But at that point, there were some murmurs through the crowd, like, uh-oh, it's five. But yeah. you just never felt that the Hall was no longer in control of the game. They just needed to be able to settle down. 
Right. So, yeah. well, it's an exciting week here for uh, for Seton Hall. You got uh, Creighton on Wednesday at the Rock, and then you go to Philly, and you know that game's going to be tough, even with Villanova being down, perhaps, and you know, past the Jay Wright years here, and what, what is Villanova going to be? But still, you know, they uh, they've been up and down this season, but um, you know, it's in Philly, and that's going to be a tough game. Well, it'll be a challenge. I think they've got to look just at Creighton at this point. I I think. There's a path there, although one filled with potholes and uh, detours. There's a path to an NCAA tournament bid, but it's got to be one game at a time. It's got to be mm-hmm. one game at a time. I, I, Villanova is not what they were on the road. Certainly is it something that Seton is going to have to deal with, but Nova is not what they were, even though they are starting to get healthy. Uh, Moore is back, and he makes them dangerous, but it's it's still not the same team. And Johnny, it's amazing that how they've stumbled. I mean, they look like a completely different, not only just a team, but a program with with uh, Kyle Neptune running the ship here. You don't want to lay it all at his feet, but it's it's the exact same team that they had last year, pretty much. When well, you take uh, Colin Gillespie out of the mix, and that's a big big detraction, but they have. Mostly the same players. You add in a five-star recruit who was a top 20 player who now is back fully healthy, and he shows signs of ridiculousness. I mean, he he's really, really good. And Justin Moore is now back in the mix, but they just don't look like the Villanova of old. They make, they make bad mistakes down the stretch. They've had a couple games on the road where they just don't even get looks at the basket down, down at the end of a game, and it's something that you're, you're not used to seeing the game against Marquette. They had a couple of, of, of shot clock violations late. And um, it's just, you're unaccustomed to seeing Villanova teams play like that. And they had a nice uh, comeback last night. They almost pulled one out of their, you know what, against Creighton on the road. Uh, but again, that's a loss. And so it'll be interesting now that Moore is back. He's got a couple games under his belt that they can pick things up again, but they, they clearly look different. And, um, you know, you have to look at the top right now. And, and, and as hey, coaching, the reason why coaching matters. Yeah, you know, it's the cult, the cult of personality. Yeah. Sorry, Steve, it's the cult of personality. Duke is not the same, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. They did. They did beat North Carolina <laughs> yesterday, but they're not the same without Krzyzewski. And that comfort level with the coach, I, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't play the game, but there's just that sense of, all right, we're cool. Jay's going to figure out something. Uh, Coach K's going to figure out something. And the other team is psyched out by it. And then once that shield gets pulled away, there's a vulnerability. And, you know, it happens a lot. You see it a lot where the, the coach goes and it just it just drops off a bit because it doesn't seem as invincible or as impossible of an opponent. And I think that's what's happened in both of those places. Though Duke is doing a little better, but still nothing. And I, you know, I was going to say, Duke standards, Matt, you know, yeah. we, we all know coaching matters and these are Hall of Fame coaches. This is a tough, tough, tough acts to follow here. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Johnny, you make a good point there. But, uh, you know, Jay Wright was a great coach. We all agree with that. So, um, but who knows? Let, let maybe Villanova uh, turns it on at the end here with, with uh, you know, getting some players back. And uh, we'll see how that goes. They uh, got to win the Big East tournament yeah. if they have any chance at the at the NCAA tournament. They're yeah. they're like two or three games under five hundred. Yeah, they're not looking yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, they're not gonna. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll uh, let's take a break. Uh, get a spot from our sponsor in, and then we'll come back uh, 
with Rutgers. Hey, the Jersey Hardwood Podcast. We talk Jersey basketball, and we're backed by a Jersey company, LG Insurance. They grew up at the Jersey Shore, trusted local experts for all your insurance needs. For personalized, attentive service, just search LG Insurance. Hey, we're back on the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. Let's turn to Rockers, and we'll get to the huge win, in my uh, estimation, at, at Madison Square Garden for Rockers. But let's let's start the, with the week there. I mean, bad, bad uh, matchup with Iowa. Uh, they just had their number this year. And, you know, as you said, Matt, not uh, not one of the great Iowa teams by any means, but still good offense. And, you know, if you can figure out a way to score on Rutgers defense and Fran McCaffrey has, has gotten his team in a position where they could score. They put up 93 points. So uh, Iowa, the season sweep uh, doesn't feel good, but still, um, still solid uh, season so far for Rutgers. They come back home. They play Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is just, you know, struggling considerably. And uh, they and, stink. Yeah. And Rucker, yeah. Rutgers put up 90. I mean, I was at the game and Minnesota, you know, just not playing defense and, and uh, struggling, and you know, it was, a, it was a must-win game for Rutgers at that point, and um, really, uh, really pulled away big time in the second half, and ninety to fifty-five. But you know, conference win is essential, and when you get those games, you know this. Even in the Big East, you've got to win them. You know, just like Seton Hall's got to win against DePaul at home. You know, Rutgers has to win at the rack uh, against a team like Minnesota. And then you know, listen, I was at the game um, at uh, Madison Square Garden. You know, initially concerned that Rutgers was giving up uh, a game at the rack. I mean, uh, they beat up Michigan State last year at the rack. And uh, here's a situation where, yeah, it's a home game. And there was a lot of scarlet. I would call it 70-30. There was plenty of dark green there. There was plenty of Sparty. And, of course, all around me where I was sitting. I had some pretty good seats, right? Right in midcourt, 200 level. And Sparty was all around me. You know, there was there was a little bit of red, but there was, there was plenty uh, there was plenty, you know, they had their band there, you know, the mascot, cheerleaders, the whole thing. I mean, it was a showcase for Big Ten basketball, MSG, but, and they got out with, with the win. I mean, they went down six at half. I mean, Cam Spencer had a bad turnover. Uh, Michigan State got a breakaway and put in a layup uh, just at the buzzer to go up six. And I'm like, oh man, this is not good. Uh, but great, um, great effort in the second half, you know, just just playing really, really good defense. Rutgers' signature defense. They clamped down on them. You know, they kept the uh, the big guys. Uh, you know, Tyson Walker, the, uh, AJ Hoggard. They they kept those guys in check, and uh, got a very important win. Got out of there with a home win. That's what you're calling it. Um, and uh, got it. Got a very important win. I thought on a neutral site, showing that you know, hey, uh, they can they can win these kinds of games. Again, a grind, you know, as you were saying, John, I think we were texting back and forth, another rock fight, right? Uh, but Rutgers needed to pull it out and did. They did. And you know, they've got they got a wonderful, um, uh, a boost there after the game. One of the first things that Hall of Fame, we talk about Hall of Fame coaches, Tom Izzo said is that, um, you know, he said when, when people back home read in the paper that we lost to Rutgers, they're going to say, oh, we lost to Rutgers? And he said, yeah. We lost to Rutgers, and right now he thinks that they are the, the number two team in the Big Ten. He thinks they're the second-best team in the conference. You know, as he said, well behind Purdue, even though they beat Purdue on the road. Nobody is really in Purdue's class right now, but 
for him to say that they're the number two team in the conference is saying something. And, and it's, it's really interesting to see Steve Peichel going, you know, toe to toe and X and O with Tom Izzo and coming out on the other end with a W. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. What, what he's done there is, is really remarkable in a couple of years. And, um, you know, I know we go back to, we cover the, the, uh, are you reviewing football, but Greg Schiano has, has something to, uh, to shoot for because Steve Peichel is there and he's arrived and what they're doing is, uh, is really remarkable. Yeah, and Izzo is, you know, like, come on, he's an iconic coach. That program is, is, you know, year in, year out, one of the best in the country. And he also said something really nice about Paul Mulcahy and Caleb McConnell, just saying that they were great players for the for the Big Ten. So it was a class act, and, you know, he's not, he's going to acknowledge when his team gets beat and when, it's, when a team's good. And, uh, you know, Rutgers, you know, look, we want to hear that. Rutgers fans want to hear that because there's been years where just – bad basketball mediocrity and now a run with uh and you, you hear an iconic coach like that giving you credit you know it feels good to hear that um and uh you know look it makes the you know these guys you know it makes the it makes the league better nice to hear still a lot of work uh to go here and you know matt i mean they're going to indiana you know indiana's just licking their chops they have what has it been like six straight that Rutgers has won so that's one that they've got circled and think about it. Now you're in. The, now you're in the basketball heartland, where they don't even want to hear about losing to a team, you know, a school like Rutgers. But they've Indiana has not done well against Rutgers for a while. Well, they just beat Purdue yesterday. Yeah, they, they beat. Did. They beat Purdue. Uh, they're flying high. It's a you know, Indiana's is a very good team. Uh, Rutgers beat them at to when they were ranked high. Rutgers beat them at the rack uh, this year. So that's uh, that's Tuesday night, and then you know, right in the basketball heartland, they go to Illinois on Saturday. So two tough road games coming up. And I mean, are they must wins? I would say no in the position they are in terms of just wanting to get to the tournament, but uh, it's going to be a big test for them. And uh, kind of hard to imagine another win against Indiana. You figure, I mean, again, I I believe it's six straight. So it's going to be tough in Bloomington. What do you think, Matt? Oh, absolutely. There's no question. They'll have to bring their best effort. I, uh, I would say for sure Indiana is the favorite, uh, you know. But you know, from a from a standpoint of the tournament, it doesn't really affect Rutgers. There's some seeding implications. There's Big Ten tournament implications. But you know, overall, uh, you know, I, what what happens on Tuesday is not going to change the trajectory of the season. But yeah, uh, Indiana is. Is Indiana? I mean, Trace Jackson Davis is awesome. Uh, he's going to be a big key, and you know, he came off that big game yesterday against Purdue. So you know, we'll see. They were hot from the floor, but Rutgers should be able to shut them down. The defense, as John says, travels, and they'll bring it with them onto the assembly uh, hall floor. And then you know, Illinois, uh, right? Uh, Indiana and Illinois, right behind. Uh, Rutgers in the standing, Rutgers at eight and four, those two teams at seven and five. So, I mean, if Rutgers wants to hold court here, and as Izzo said, Johnny said that he thinks he's there right behind Purdue, uh, you know, they got to, uh, they got to, they got to show up at these two games. What do you see? Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of different for um, Rutgers in the last few years is now no one's taking them for granted anymore. 
And people used to think, oh, Rutgers is coming to town, not only would the building be, you know, half full, but, you know, it would be like ho-hum, we beat Rutgers, and it's no, no big deal. Now teams are looking at this as, like, resume builders. I mean, they're going to say, hey, this team beat Purdue, and Purdue, the only one that, well, now after Indiana, the only two teams that have knocked them off this year. And so they're looking at this as an opportunity to better their, their resume and, and their pedigree. And these games are good because Rutgers is good. You know, yeah. it's not like um, and- the teams of, of yesteryear where they would come in and, you know, as I said, it's a half full building and nobody really cared that they beat Rutgers. But now this is something that um, is, is, you know, th- something that they're looking forward to. I just want to correct a little something that I said, just maybe to put a different shade on it. Rutgers is going to the NCAA tournament, barring an incredible and unforeseen collapse. But road wins are important. And these next two are on the road where Rutgers has not done well, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. They don't play a ton of, so far, I haven't played a ton of road games. But nonetheless, their record is below 500 on the road. So if they can split or win them both, first off, it solidifies second place. I mean, after after Rutgers comes a whole bunch of teams at seven and five. So nothing is settled. Still chance to catch Purdue. Uh, so, yeah, there there is something more than just like ho-hum. I, I think Rutgers right. wants to establish that on the road they can play. Yeah, and if they want to look, not, not only get into the tournament, but be a higher seed this year and and uh, and and go deeper into the tournament than they have, um, you know, you gotta you gotta show up and then and then win these games on the road. Uh, Paul Mulcahy was great uh, at MSG on Saturday. Injury is gonna be big. Yeah, you know what? I, you're right, John uh, Matt, because he was he was the guy early in the game who was scoring. When they were struggling to score, Mawat Mag was scoring. I think he's. I think the sky's the limit for the guy. I mean, I think you know when you're thinking like when Caleb Caleb McConnell moves on. I mean, who do you got? Who's going to be that guy? You know, it's going to be Mawat Mag. Uh, he's got. He's got. He's long. He's quick. Uh, he's learning from Caleb. He's what, seeing the way he plays defense, and he's going to be that guy. That lockdown guy is going to be Mag, and and he can score. So, um, you know, there's a lot of promise there, but he, you know, he, he went down. He got fouled hard. I hear it's the knee. Let's hope. Um, he's an important part of the team, so let's hope he's uh, he's okay. Uh, Cliff was, you know, Cliff was, you know, cleaning glass and doing his thing. I mean, the low post moves are still a uh, difficult thing for him, but um, he's uh, he's do he's playing great defense. He's blocking shots, and uh, and um, you know, he had 15 points on Saturday. Mulcahy with 17, so they got the job done. You know, Izzo has figured out Cam Spencer. What you know, I mean, he's just uh, so he's just playing good defense on him. And, you know, Spencer's got a real, you know, listen, you're getting that deep scouting going on. Uh, and, you know, they're finding out what his tendencies are. So uh, he struggled with two games against uh, Michigan State. Uh, and they're going to need him uh, down the road too, along with, you know, the rest of the guys. And how about Oscar Palmquist? He had 13 points against Minnesota coming off the bench. So uh, a little less uh, a Palmquist sighting, which was was kind of cool. Uh, let's, I uh, thought it was Oscar Robertson for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, man, it was, it was fun. And then a nice... You mentioned Cam Spencer and deep dives and the scouting and whatnot. I don't think that there's too much of a deep dive when you really get down to it. There was a reason he was at Loyola for many years. He's a, he's a great shooter, but athletically, he's not necessarily a Big Ten athlete. And basically, all you need to do is put somebody who's quick and it's got some length on top of him. And if you don't go for, for up fakes and whatnot, you know, he's not going to 
light you up for too much. I mean, you run him off a million screens, then then that's something to uh, that he will excel at. But as far as him, you know, people figuring out what he's all about, he's sort of a one-trick pony. He was a great shooter. He's a great free-throw shooter. And the thing now is whether or not, um, you know, he's going to be able to knock that down once he's coming off uh, a million different screens as they as they head down the stretch. Yeah, look when you when you start playing well and you're you're the main scoring threat, uh, people are going to figure out a way to shut you down. And and so um, you know he's getting all his tendencies are being figured out. And so uh, we'll see we'll see uh, down the down the stretch. I mean, you got to make a plan if you if you have to make a plan for you know you know, five different guys, that's where things get really tough. And then one of them steps up. I mean, uh, again, Mulcahy had a great, I mean, at the end of the game, just a couple great drives to the basket that uh, really sealed the deal against Michigan State. And so um, he had a great game. And we've said this before, that kind of Rutgers seems to go the way he goes. If he plays a really efficient top-level game and even scores, um, he's uh, Rutgers is, is, uh, is a tough out for sure. So uh, let's just go over um, real quick, and then we'll get out of here, guys. Um, let's just go over New Jersey basketball in general here. Um, you know, Princeton's in the Ivy. They're in first place. Always seems to be Princeton in first place in the Ivy. You know, 7-2, and 16-6 overall, 7-2 and two in the conference. Uh, FDU second uh, at 7-3 at, uh, in their conference, uh, which is the Northeast. And then what do you got? You got two guys and two teams in the Metro riders in second nine and three overall. They've won six in a row. And I think they're beating up on Manhattan right now. So they're looking pretty good. St. Peter's not, nah, I think um, all the magic's gone there and lo- they lost some players. So they're eighth, eh, you know, nine and 13 overall eighth in the Metro. And then get a load of this. I didn't Did you guys know this, that Monmouth left, uh, left the Metro for the colonial East, supposedly because it's a better, I guess they thought it was a better conference and they're, they're, they're four and 20 and that's after winning three in a row. So at one point yeah, they, were, they, they were one and 20 Matt. And and so it lost a lot of players, but King rice is certainly struggling in that new conference. Yeah, they are. They, I think it really was done for football, uh, which Monmouth would like to accentuate a little bit. Okay. Uh, and, and they're trying to convince everyone that it'll help all the other sports. So there's, it's a little argument going on in the in the Monmouth community athletically. Okay, and so, but it, it doesn't look like it's. I mean, for, from a basketball standpoint, it's that much better uh, than the than the Metro. But uh, yeah, Monmouth's struggling considerably uh, in in their new conference. But uh, you know, some guys that might make a threat might you might see win their uh, conference. Certainly, FDU's got a shot. Riders got a shot. Princeton always does. Uh, so a good chance of seeing any three of those teams uh, come March is a possibility. Uh, but uh, we're in February, guys. So things are heating up in both conferences. Exciting weeks for both teams, uh, Seton Hall and Rockers. We will follow it all the way through. So uh, that'll do it uh, for this week's show. We want to thank our sponsor, LG Insurance. And then, of course, we're on SoundCloud. We're on, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, Google Play, uh, iTunes, bunch of directories that we're on. Check that out. Check our site out, moresportsnow.com. I'm Steve Tischer with Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye.